Welcome to the Novice No Longer Podcast, Episode 2. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of the Novice No Longer Podcast. I'm really excited to have my guest today. It is Dan Howley, who is a senior writer at Laptop Magazine. And I wanted to have Daniel on because he gets pitches from apps, from companies, from product manufacturers all day, every day. And I wanted to talk to him about what you can do to stand out in the crowd because creating an app or product is really only the first step. The next step and the continuing step after that is really trying to find press, trying to find users, and trying to gain traction. And getting press and talking to journalists is a big part of that. And as a journalist, you see just terrible pitches all day, every day. And it's really not that hard to stand out from the crowd, as Dan talks about. So we talk a little bit about what you can do as a startup or an application or something when you're talking to the press in order to get noticed and get them to write about you. We also talk a little bit about upcoming trends. CES is full swing at the time of this recording release. So we talk a little bit about what we're going to see there, trends for the future and what we don't like and do like. So hopefully you'll enjoy. I'm going to stop talking now and we're going to jump right into the interview and enjoy this episode with Dan Howley of Laptop Magazine. Dan, welcome to uh, the podcast. Uh, why don't you tell everybody what you do? And uh, yeah, well, I'm the uh, the senior writer at Laptop Mag, and so basically, uh, I get to review all the cool toys and like you know write news posts on the latest stuff that's happening in the industry, and get to go to different shows and stuff like that. So pretty much have a good time. And it also means your inbox is full of product pitches, right? Yes. So um, woke up this morning, had fifty different uh, pitches. So, yeah, <laughs> I was going to ask you what your uh, inbox looks like on an average day. And this is not an average day because we're right before CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, which is the one show like of the year where people just pull out all the stops. Um, so things are a little bit higher than usual, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, usually, you know, if I don't go through my email for about an hour, I'll get, you know, maybe something like, you know, 20 emails but now if i don't go through it for an hour it's you know 55 emails something like that and it's it's pretty incredible i mean i i wasn't at my computer during uh the new year's break and i basically came back with 200 something emails just sitting there from different products different companies and people trying to get back in touch with me so it gets pretty freaking nuts yeah i believe it it's funny because i had registered for ces back when i was working at the verge before i left uh, to start the novice no longer and uh, people are finding me on like my personal email account my about me page of all places um, LinkedIn and just like sending me messages being like set up set up an appointment set up an appointment with us <laughs> and like I have it specifically saying that I'm no longer there I'm not going to CES but they're they're seeking me out and they're finding me and they're they're hounding me it's crazy because people they just you know they don't seem to really care they're just like throwing out like feelers they're just you know trying to decide if they can get you somehow to write about it or 
just, you know, acknowledge their existence basically. And it gets, I mean, I, I get it. I understand like, you know, from their side, what, what their job is, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we're bombarded by so much, you know, at some point it just all becomes white noise. Exactly. Like you said, uh, there was 50 around emails this morning. How many of those are actually like have information that you'll use or you want to do something with out of those like 50? Probably five. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what I noticed too. Like it was just a ton, a ton of junk. And yeah, like, like you were saying too, is they're just kind of casting out a net. It's just all generic. It, it's really, they just want to, you just, they want to see you and that's it. Because if they, they see you, they think you're going to write about them. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, I mean, you have to be cordial because these are, you know, these are, you know, people that you're going to work with all the time. So you want to be cordial. You don't want to, you know, just totally ignore them. And, you know, but there are some that are just like, you know, things that have nothing to do with our coverage. And, you know, I mean, they know that we're, we focus on mobile tech, but they're still going to send me stuff about, you know, TVs or I don't know, some kind of DJ going to some event. I think I got something about the WWE wrestlers going somewhere to debut something. And I don't even know what they're trying to debut, but yeah, we just get like all these ridiculous pitches. And after a while, you know, like I said, it just becomes this kind of, you know, echo chamber. And I I can't really pay attention to them all. I got to find what exactly is important to me. So it's usually just five. Yeah. And I, I, one of the funniest things that I think I saw was when I was over at The Verge and Neil, I put up a review of the Nest smoke detector. Does that have a name or is it just the Nest smoke detector? I, I think can't it's remember. just Nest smoke detector. Yeah. Yes. So we put up a review of that. And I think two or three days later, some company sent over like three different smoke detectors. <laughs> and like not technology, like nothing special, just like smoke detectors. It was like they had a crawler that like found that somebody wrote an article about smoke detectors and it like it was just automated. They were like, yeah, said this person's smoke detectors. <laughs> it, completely insane i i done like something on um mobile scanners a while ago and it was you know i remember that <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was so tough to get through because it's you know it's mobile scanners how interesting mm-hmm. can you make it but yeah. then after i did it like i got all these different emails from people trying to pitch me things on mobile scanners and it's like i just reviewed five of them at once i kind of want to take a break for a little bit yeah and that's the thing that i noticed too um I wrote a piece uh, comparing a bunch of wearables, like fitness wearables, like the the Fitbit and the Jawbone and the Nike Plus Fuel Band. And I strapped like five or six of them onto me and I went on a run and just kind of wrote up a little piece about it. And my inbox was flooded for the next two weeks with fitness and wearables. And it's one thing because people are doing really interesting stuff in that space. And I know that you know a lot about that field. And I want to talk about that a little bit, but the thing was, nobody was telling me why they were different. It, it, like yeah. they were sending me the email and it's just like, we have a wearable too. Look. And it's like, okay, I just did a piece on wearables. What, you know, like if you're different or you're doing something exciting, that's, that's one thing. But as it stands, like the, this is, it just gets archived because it's nothing. It's true. I mean, if, if there's something like really interesting that stands out, you know, then I'm going to take notice. But if it's something that's just, you know, that where, you know, we have the same kind of thing that everyone else has, then I really don't want to hear about it just because, you know, why, why would readers want to see it? You know, I mean, if it's cheaper or something like that, or, you know, if, if it does, you know, 
an extra thing or it can connect to more devices, then that's cool. But if you can't do that and it's just going to be the same thing, like, oh, yeah, we have this fitness tracker that does the exact same thing as the Fitbit and, you know, it connects to iOS devices and that's it, you know, then, well, why why do I need to know about it, you know? If it's less expensive, that's cool. If it's the same price, then it's basically the same product and, you know, how's that going to help our readers? Exactly. Now, and, and this goes for both like physical products, but also apps and software and all that kind of stuff, because it's how let's see, let's say that you do have an app and you created an app and it's very similar to another one. Like your, your competition just got wrote up by you and you would like to get pressed too. What would you say is the best way for the company to contact you and like have the highest chances for success, I, I guess. I would say basically they have to tell us what makes their product special. I mean, I know, you know, it could have the same kind of uh, basic uh, use case, but at some point there's got to be something that makes it different. And, you know, you want to play that up basically and you want to get our attention about it. You know, mention that it's kind of like uh, the big name that just got written up, that'll catch our eye. But then explain why this could be better or, you know, what it could do differently or, you know, what the other one doesn't do. You know, something along those lines, like really differentiate it and make us want to, you know, make us take notice. And that's that's the big thing. I mean, we get so many things from people that are just, you know, uh, check out this, you know, thing that is a – I guess, you know, uh, we could do, uh, apps, check out this new app. And it's like, well, we get flooded with so many apps that it's so hard for people to stand out. But if you tell us, you know, that this app does this really cool, uh, or, you know, this really well, then that will make us take notice. Yeah. And that's the one thing, uh, I think people don't really want to hear because I think a lot of people just want to be able to write like one pitch and like they work hard on that one pitch and then they just send it out to everybody just like people want to write one cover letter one version of their resume when they're applying for jobs and then yeah. they just give it to everybody and it, it doesn't work that way and yeah. you have to one like focus on what's different so you actually have to read the article see what the author like the writer focused on and then so you understand what they found interesting about it and then play up how yours is different in that aspect and Another big thing is writing to people like they're humans. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that was one thing I noticed too. Is is just you're not there's not a generic person answering the email. It's me. It's you. You know, definitely get my name right too. That's another thing. <laughs> I mean, like I've gotten things where you know, like people will write like Danielle, and I'll be like, "Yep, that's I." You could be pitching me the greatest product on the face of the earth, and I'm not even going to read it now mm-hmm. just because you know you couldn't even look at my name. I think another thing is like, you know, if you're going to write to an organization that, you know, you look up each of the writers and send them individual things, you know, and, and, you know, personalize it the same way, but this way you're getting the attention of everyone. I mean, I, you know, I can't tell you how many times we'll get an email that are, I mean, you know, you know, everyone gets the same email and it's like, okay, you know, one person might not read it, another person might not forward it along or, you know, whatever. But eventually someone brings it up and they go, oh, you know, well, I would like to write about that. So, I mean, like if you cast your net wide enough but you personalize it the right way, I think it can get the attention of at least someone. Yeah. And now I think this is really interesting just because we're getting a little bit into how a lot of press organizations work. So you were saying that if there is somebody that sends an email to like each individual person – Talk to me a little bit more about 
what happens? You were like, well, somebody doesn't see it. Another person sends it. What, what is that process? Like what can happen to an email once it leaves whoever's, uh, email inbox and lands in the inboxes of journalists? I mean, any place that I've been, it's been, you know, I'll get it. If I think it's relevant to my beat, I'll go through it and make sure, you know, that I get it right and I cover it. If it's something that's not relevant to me, but I think it's cool, I'll forward it along and say, you know, okay, I'll forward it to whoever I might know that covers a specific beat. And if there's no one in general that covers that beat, then I'll just forward it around to everyone and, you know, see if anyone else finds it really cool and then they'll want to write it up. But it's basically, you know, you have to make it interesting. If it's not an interesting read, then no one's going to care. You can't make it too long either, though, because, I mean, we only have so much time to go through different pitches. We're just going to eventually, you know, go through the first paragraph and then say, okay, you know, you haven't gotten my attention yet because we have so many other different things to do. And it's been like that anywhere that I've written for. It's, you know, try to get our attention, but, you know, realize that we're not all going to read it and that we're also going to try to forward it around to everyone. Now, what do you mean by interesting? Because I think, like, people are going like, okay, make it interesting. Well, my app is interesting, you know? Mm. It's it's basically like, you know, don't, don't make it um, – don't use too much uh, hyperbole because that'll just, you know, that'll turn us off right away. Like if you say something like, this is the greatest app on the face of the earth and it'll blow your mind, then I'm going to be like, okay, well, this, you know, I, how am I going to take this seriously? Yeah. <laughs> if you say, you know, something like um, if you're developing uh, an app to track your uh, expenses or something like that, you know, explain, you know, why tracking your expenses is difficult really quickly. You know, don't give me a, a paragraph about that, but give me, you know, a sentence or two and then explain how this new app can help you track your expenses and how that can benefit you, basically. So, you know, kind of give us an idea of how it can fit into our everyday lives and that'll give us a, a better way to wrap our mind around it and kind of figure out if it's really, you know, something that's worth covering, things along that nature. I mean, and if, if, it's, if you can't do that, then it's going to be a lot harder to get through to us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, establish the problem and prove that it actually is a problem. Um, but in that proof, like people are like, the number of people that are X right now is 10 million. <laughs> like something like the crazy high numbers aren't relatable at all. It's just like, yeah, say what the problem is and show what your solution is and say how you're different and why you're actually going to work. I, I mean, it's, it's kind of like pitching to investors in that way, I guess. You got to prove that people are actually going to be using this. And, exactly. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's not that different either. I mean, you know, the investors, yeah, they're putting their money into it, but at the, the same time, journalists are, you know, going to put their time into it. And the investors are hoping to get, you know, a return on their investment. And we're hoping to get a return on our investment and putting time into it by getting, you know, readers to check out what we're putting out there. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, along the same lines. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things, too, is... What I've found, and I'd be interested to hear your opinion too, is there needs to be a reason why you're emailing. Like there has to be an event, like you're releasing a new version of your app or you're doing something, you just accomplished a milestone of users. Like there has to be just a reason. Like the fact that you exist is not enough to write about. Yeah. And that's like, that's that's a huge thing, you know? I mean, if you're sending, if, if you just updated your app, you know, and you did some basic bug fixes and you didn't add any new features to it, that's, you know, that's not going to 
get written up that's just going to get lost in our inboxes because it's you know it's not it's nothing interesting enough. And I understand that you know doing the bug fixes is big, and if it's a major bug, then that might get our attention. But if it's something you know really small, or like you said, you know you're just saying okay, we exist as a company, that's not going to get our attention at all. You want to give us something you know tangible like you know we've added this great new feature to this app, uh, we've added uh, cross-platform functionality. Things like that that that'll get us. But if it's just something that's you know a blanket statement like we you know are doing things, but that's it. You know we're not really going to pay that much attention to it. Yeah, it, it there you shouldn't because you're not really they're not really providing a, a, anything to go on. And yeah. on that similar note too, like if I remember when I was getting a, a pitches, like if they were like. The app is available to download now is a lot less likely to get written about than the app is going to be available on X date. Yeah. And like you gotta you gotta hit us early with it basically. I mean if we if we get something and it's you know, the app is available now and it, you know, just came out today, then it you know, it might be written about, but if it's something where, you know, the app is available now and it came out, you know, a week ago. And it's like, well, that's old news. It's not, you know, it's not important because, it, you know, people probably know about it already. If you get it to us early and you say, you know, the app will be available in, you know, the coming week uh, or, you know, the next two weeks or, you know, on X date, that that's great. But you can't push it out too far either. You know, the, the app will be available in two months. Then we're just going to say, okay, then, you know, we'll write about it in two months when it's closer. But if, if it's about a week or, you know, uh, a week and a half, two weeks, maybe – then that's I think that's a great time frame. But don't don't send us anything that's you know that's already passed because we're just going to say okay, well this isn't news because it actually isn't. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point that you just made that it's old news because if you your app got became in the app store like a week ago or two weeks ago, then that means that other people have already written about it, which means that the value for both the readers as well as the publications ranking for like because publications like to be first and mm-hmm. a lot of organizations take great pride in that which is why a lot of uh companies products businesses will set embargo dates which is like okay you're not allowed to publish anything about this until this date at this time that way it's a fair shot for all the publications to get it up at the same time and if you're waiting like a week after it's in the app store and like a couple of smaller blogs have already written about it 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 becomes infinitely less valuable to the company and most likely for numerous times i've simply not written about a topic simply because it already is in the app store even if it was a compelling product because i have to go back and be like okay well write to me again when you're doing something new or something exciting or there's a new version or a new feature like because it's just not valuable anymore Exactly. It's it's you know it it gets to a point where you're just like, all right, well you're sending me something that already exists. You know this isn't you know the literal definition of news is that it's something that's new. You know and and you're you know compelling and you know if if it's out there already, it's actually not new. So why you know why would that get our attention? Like like I said, if if it's something you know like a big update or something like that, that's going to get us you know really really interested. But if it's you know a bug fix, you know that's not really that important to journalists. Um, and if it's, you know, two days old or, you know, two weeks in the app store, no one's going to care. Yeah. So 
let's see. Is there anything uh, that you have been seeing recently that you think is just completely overdone? Anything right now that just is flooding your inbox and it's all kind of the same? Um, I think for, well, I mean, around CES we get stuff about like, you know, accessories for, you know, uh, this device, that device, you know, and uh, extended batteries. And it's like, you know, things like that kind of really fill our, our, our inbox. And it's just like, you know, why we can't, you know, constantly look at every single extended battery. And when we, you know, when we go to the show, you know, we're not gonna be able to write about every single extended battery. And, you know, as big as any news organization is, they're not going to be able to do that either. And, you know, it's just things like that kind of build up in our inbox. And it's just like, all right, come on, you know, we really don't care about, you know, this case that doesn't really do anything, but has a picture of a flower on the back of it. It's like, it's, it's great guys. Please give us something better though. I mean, like that. And I think, you know, we've been getting a lot of uh, stuff trying to fit into the, the kind of, I guess, fitness uh, tech kind of, kind of range. Um, just because of the popularity of things like Fitbit and things along that, you know, that line, most of them are still really interesting though. They haven't really hit us to the point where it's like, okay, guys, you know, let's take it back. You know, maybe email us at different times or something. Don't, you know, send us 18 emails at once. But I think for, for the most part, that's still safe. It's really right now it's, you know, the battery packs and the cases and stuff like that. Just blow my mind how much people want to send that to us. And they're not even, I mean, if it's a battery pack for, you know, an iPhone, okay, cool. Cause people want battery packs for their iPhones or, you know, a Galaxy S4. But if it's, you know, just a gener- generic battery pack that, you know, you carry around, no one wants to really read about that. There's no reason to write about it. That was one of the biggest things I remember from CES last year, because that was my, my first time at CES, was just the one humongous room. I've never seen a room that big, and it was just filled with generic smartphone accessories, like cases and batteries, and they're like, ours has a picture of a flower, and this one has a picture of a different flower. Yeah. And... It's insane because they all obviously want press and they want you to write about them, but people don't want to read about that stuff, so there's not much of a reason to write about them. Exactly. And it's just, you know, it's it's like that with a lot of products. I mean, we're we're, you know, we do consumer tech and it's, you know, sometimes we'll get business tech and it's just like, well, you know, we're not really into business tech right now and you're sending us really dense, you know, press releases about extremely niche business centric products. And it's like, we're not really going to, it's not going to resonate with our readers because a lot of them are just, you know, regular people or, you know, some of them might be enthusiasts, but at the same time, they're consumer tech enthusiasts. They don't want to know about, you know, this new, uh, solution to find, um, files backed away in like your finance department or things like that. It's, it's like, it, that that's that's something that really gets to us, you know. Anything that's like super like crazy business centric, and you're sending it to a consumer tech site, it's like you you don't really know what our audience is at that point. Yeah, so know the audience. That that's key. Like actually research who you're sending this to, rather than just casting a net out. Exactly, and that, like that that's the thing. Like you know, it it requires a little bit of research. It's like like you said with with you know a job application, it requires a little bit of research, but you're better off doing it than not. Because if you don't do it, then you're going to send us, like I said, some kind of generic thing that we're really not that interested in. And, you know, it's not going to get any play with us really, you know? I mean, you you, you kind of want to 
you know, you want to be a salesman to us. You want to, you know, entice us into wanting to read your press release and writing about your, your product. Yeah, and this is one of the reasons why I think it might be even a, a little easier to be a, a small business or a startup or a single developer making a, an app or website because it, you're more personable. And I think that uh, services like Kickstarter have really helped in the area because if you want to have a successful Kickstarter campaign, you have to express what the problem is and the problem has to resonate with just the random public. You have to tell a compelling story um, and you get people to invest in you. And I think uh, people often see writing a press release as different than writing like a Kickstarter video when really they shouldn't. It's the same thing. You're, you're trying to catch the attention of a person. Exactly. It's, you know, it's, you're literally pitching it to us, you know, if if you care about this idea, if you care about this, you know, uh, this app or, or, you know, this software or, you know, this device that you're trying to get out there, then, you know, you're going to have to put in a little effort in the press release. It's, it's, I, I get it. It can be annoying that you're sending it to all these different groups and you, you know, you might have to tailor a little, tailor it a little bit, but you want us, you want us to be interested. So you have to put in that extra work. Mm-hmm. So CES is... Actually, by the time this airs next week, is CES going to be over? Let me see. Next Friday? No, next Thursday. Uh, it will be winding down, yeah. Yeah, so that was going to be like the end of CES. So I was going to talk to you a little bit about what your predictions were, but that way when people are listening, they'd be like, oh, well, this guy was completely wrong. Or they could be like, this guy was completely right, you know? <laughs> but I want to talk about wearables because I find wearables to be insanely interesting. And I think that they are definitely the future like the next evolution of stuff and i would love to get your take on that as well yeah i mean like we we played with google glass um one of uh one of our colleagues um has has used it uh one of our editors is huge on fitness wearables and stuff like that so it's 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 seems to be really interesting in terms of whether or not it has uh, mass appeal it seems like right now it's the fitness stuff that gets people going a lot um, Google Glass is really big just because people love anything that Google does, and so they find it really interesting. You think so? Oh yeah, I think I think if you wear like a Google Glass outside, people look at you like you're a robot, and they want to know what's going on. And that's a good thing. You think people want that? Well, I think you know. I think that it, it drums up like uh, uh, interest in it. Basically, yeah. I mean, you know, if you're if you're walking around. Someone sees that you're wearing a Google Glass, they're going to be like, oh, "What? You know, what's that? And why do they have that? And you know, how come that looks so cool?" And you know, we're going to basically walk around and play with it like we're a bunch of you know idiots, and it's it's fun. But I mean, like, I think I think that's still kind of a niche thing. No one's really like you know going out. I mean, it's you can't get it mass uh, produced or commercially right now. Um, but I think the fitness stuff is really where people are, are looking. I think, you know, um, I think it was Robert Scoble just said that Google Glass would fail in 2014. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Did you read that? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to fail. I think that it's kind of intrusive that you have to wear something on your face. Um, and people that wear glasses would have a hard time. I mean, they could, they're, they're talking about getting a prescription lens kind of thing that you can get for it. And, you know, you can always wear contacts if you have those. But at the same time, you know, people wear contacts because they don't want to wear something on their face, you know? So I I don't know if that will limit it. It's also kind of 
in terms of functionality, it's basically just you know your smartphone on your eye almost. So and it has to connect to your smartphone and it'll drain your smartphone battery. So there are drawbacks to it. It's super cool. I mean, I'm making it sound not as awesome as it really is, but that's just because I'm focusing on you know the pain points for consumers. But I think like really, it's it's an awesome awesome device, and I would love to see something like that really you know move forward. I want to see something with augmented reality. If you could give me Google Glass, and I could look at a store, and you could you know tell me what that store is or you know what that store does or you know something along those lines, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I, I'm trying to think, like the it has to be non-intrusive because I think one of the the biggest holdbacks on google glass is it looks like you're wearing google glass if they could make it so that it doesn't look like i'm wearing google glass i think i would be so much more into it yeah i I mean that that's 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 the other thing you know like i said people people look at you like you're a robot and like they're kind of interested in it but at the same time you know you don't want to have to constantly put something on you know if there is a way where it could be a smaller less intrusive kind of thing you know that could project in front of your face that would be great um I get why they they have the screen show up. Uh, I mean, you know, there's no way to hide it really. You, know, you have to be able to see through it at the same time. But also, they don't want people to be able to, you know, just like record stuff and take pictures without the person that's sitting across from them knowing. I just feel like, you know, the reason why the 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 fitness wearables work so well is because it's just on your wrist, you know, and mm-hmm. that's not something that's really overly intrusive. And it's kind of like smartwatches. I mean, Samsung's uh, Galaxy Gear isn't doing very well. But that's because it's bulky and, you know, they really haven't made a point for people to want to buy it. They're just creepy as hell. Did you see that commercial? Yeah. Yeah. Where where he's like, there's a commercial that's trying to sell this where he gets the girls. He's on a ski lift with like, it's a girl sandwiched by two guys. And one of the guys is totally hitting on her and gets her number by having her say it into his watch. And then as she's skiing down the slope, he's taking pictures and videos of her with his watch and then catches up to her later to show her the pictures that he took. And then it cuts to another scene where he's at uh, a club or something, re-watching those videos of this girl skiing, and then he like bumps into her. It's like the creepiest thing I have ever seen. Just so you know, I was watching you go down that hill. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really weird. I mean, like, the, I don't think there's a need for the camera on there. It just feels unnecessary. And it's, it's, you know, it's pretty looking, don't get me wrong, but it's bulky. And I think something like the Pebble is, is you know, better for that. I feel like that's, you know, the the one that's really got it figured out almost. See, I don't it's like small. the aesthetic of the Pebble yet. Really? I, I, yeah, I think they still like look like bulky. They look like, um, you know, they, they remind me of like when... We were kids, and they had those like handheld, like single video games. Yeah, you, like you'd buy in this. Yeah, it, it reminds me of like that stage of handheld video games. Like we had that, and then the next step up, like you'd have like a Tamagotchi, and yep. then you, you'd like evolve a little bit more. And now we have super nice like smartphones or the PlayStation Portable or like the DS. Like, and those I think are finally like, okay, well, this is a, a nice piece of hardware, although not the 2DS. That's still kind of weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I feel like smartwatches are still in that early stage of being like clunky, like the the big phone, I guess. 
I think, yeah, it, it, it really is. I mean, the reason why I, I like the Pebble is because it's got such an active uh, uh, app developer community. Yeah, I mean, that's are, true. People want to make different watch faces and stuff like that. I mean, when when we had it in the office, there was, um, I think Breaking Bad was ending. So there was uh, someone made uh, a picture of Heisenberg. And like you could download him as the watch face with the hat and the glasses and everything. And like that's awesome. But I mean – yeah, it, it really is kind of like the, the the old Tiger devices. If they could make it, you know, something I guess more colorful or or, or more professional looking. I mean, that's why I think everyone's looking to what Apple will eventually do if if and when they release the you know the iWatch. I think they're trying to figure out if you know if Apple can do it, they'll probably do it right. Um, and if they can't do it right, then they probably won't do it at all. So I think that you know if if they can come out with something that's really cool and really interesting, then it'll give people kind of a a, a litmus test of where the uh, the smartwatch market is going. And it's also, you know, I mean, the idea of a smartwatch is kind of silly in itself because a lot of the pitches are, you know, well, it takes so long to take your phone out of your pocket. It's like, have we really gotten to that point where pulling a phone out of your pocket is that big of a deal? I mean, you're putting your hand in your pocket and pulling it out. It's not like, you know you're lifting boulders or anything it's the the kind of reasoning for its existence is is kind of ridiculous when they put it that way now if i could play devil's advocate for that a little bit though i would talk a little bit about uh i have the iphone 5s that has the fingerprint scanner mm-hmm. and it i mean previously what i had to do was press down the home button and swipe on the screen and now i just kind of press down the home button and hold, hover there for like a second and it seems like a really small thing because, I mean, all you're doing is moving your hand up and swiping. But every time I pick up my iPad mini now, I want to be able to just hold that down, you yeah. know? And that's kind of how the technology evolves. It's the little steps like that. That is true. I mean, you know, I I actually don't have any kind of uh, security on my uh, Galaxy S4 because I didn't want to have to constantly, you know, put in a password or you know, swipe. So if I could have something like what uh, what Apple has with the the fingerprint sensor, you know, uh, that would be great. You yeah, know, and when I had my iPhone 4s, I didn't either. There was no security on it, and now I do. I mean, they made it easy. It's just yeah, it, it it does make a lot of sense. It is just really annoying because you're just like yeah, I'm sitting here. I want to get you know, I just want to look at my phone real quick. I'm looking at it for you know the time, and it's taking me a little bit longer than I would want. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I do see that in in the the smartwatch idea is that you know you would just be able to you know actually look at a watch like you always have been able to but then you know all your different apps and whatnot are just available on your wrist but i think you know it's just odd that we're going from where we had increasingly smaller phones to you know these 5.7 5.9 inch phones that we you know cram in our pockets and now because those have gotten too big we need another smaller screen on our wrist it's like you know we're kind of going in different directions with just like you know those two personal devices yeah it it, the industry doesn't know what people want it's true i mean i you know i i have like i said the s4 i like the screen size i that's basically why i got it was because i wanted something with around a five inch screen but i don't want anything with you know anything larger than that it's just going to get you know intrusive and pretty ridiculous i mean if i want something like that i'll use a tablet you know and I wouldn't use my phone as a tablet regularly because my battery life is going to die. So 
what's the point of that? But getting getting a smartwatch is you know is fun because it's a new gadget and I love gadgets. But at the same time, it's like okay, I'm going to be putting this on and I'm going to be running my battery life down on my phone because of the the, the Bluetooth connection. And then you know if I want to access data, I'm you know I'm going to be using my phone's data connection. And it you know it it it's got its its interesting uses, but it has its drawbacks too. I mean, I'm still I'm still a big fan of them. Don't get me wrong. If you know. Someone came out with a, a really cool one. Like, like I said, I like the Pebble. When I originally saw the uh, Galaxy Gear, I was blown away by it because I, I just love the ability to you know see all your apps and stuff like that. I thought the camera was kind of bulky, but the design was cool. But I mean, for me personally, I don't see myself going out and buying one right this second. You know, I mean, it's not something that I'm desperately you know desiring. I wanted a, an iPad Mini because they're you know. I can see why I would want one, but for the the smartwatches, I just don't see a reason to spend you know the money on one right now. Yeah. Now you said that a lot of people and companies themselves are kind of waiting to see what Apple does in terms of a potential iWatch. What do you think that they could do to actually make the product compelling that you would want to go out and buy one, just like you wanted to go buy an iPad Mini? I think if they if they could make sure that they get kind of the the look and feel of iOS across with it. And if they could make it functional to the point where it's something you always want to use, you know, I mean, there's all these different patents going around that they filed for with, you know, the screen that wraps around your wrist. And that's, you know, the biggest one right now. Um, some have just been, you know, kind of the way the, the gear looks with uh, our standard watch face that uses um, four different screens that you can access uh, your apps through. But I think if they can get the look and feel of iOS across from your watch, Make it show, uh, make it uh, so that the drawbacks to having a smartwatch aren't as uh, prevalent as the benefits of having a smartwatch are there. You know, uh, make it so that it doesn't bother my phone's battery life. Make it so that you know the connectivity is 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 solid, but not you know going to kill my phone. Uh, make the display nice enough to read something that you want to actually read on. Uh, get the app developer community behind it. I think that would really you know get people going for it. And I think Apple has the ability to do that. I mean, when the iPad came out, people were like, well, why do I need this, you know, giant screen if I have this, you know, phone that you just sold me? And now it's the best tablet you can buy. So, I mean, I think they know how to get people interested in things, and I think they know how to get the app developers interested in it. And I think that's going to be a big part of it. Yeah. And I I personally think the big thing about apple releasing a smartwatch and the future of smartwatches in general is that i think that they're going to be a standalone device i don't think that they're going to sync to your smartphone i think they're gonna i mean the best way to think about it right now is a cross between current smartwatches and the fitness trackers like the fitbit flex and the jawbone up and the nike plus fuel band like it's going to be some cross there and i think that when apple enters this product category it's going to be with an entirely new product rather than an accessory to an existing product and that's really how they're going to make the big sales and that's really how they're going to take over the category because it's going to be this new product that they're going to say you need this and people are going to be like yeah i do need this (laughs) and that's just just how it's going to be i think you know i i i like that because it's you know it would give me a reason to want a an, an iWatch. You know, it's not something that would rely on my phone. It would be this entirely new device, and I think that would get me really jazzed up for it. It's not going to be, you know, 
uh, a slave to my phone, basically, or you know, an extension of my phone. If it's something that's totally different, I would love it. You know, I mean, if they ori- originally introduced the iPad and said, "Okay, well, it connects to your iPhone, and you need to connect to your iPhone," I'd be like, "Well, eh, nah, I'm gonna." It's like, you do know, you really need it or not? Exactly. That, that's gonna yeah. be the question. Right. I think yeah. I think if they did that, that would really get me jazzed up for it. I would. I would want something like that. I, I think that's the missing piece, and I think we're gonna. Do you think we're gonna see it this year? I think we are. I think we are. I think we're going to see that. I mean, there was that um, press release that went out, uh, or not press release, but it was a, a, a memo that um, Tim Cook had sent to his employees saying that they had uh, some really big things in store. And I mean, you know, he's going to say that to his employees, you know, regardless. But I think just the the amount of um, the, the way that it exploded across, you know, the tech industry, everyone was like, well, this this is it. This means that something big is going to come. I think that something big might come. I mean, they they came out with the the 5S and 5C, and it shows that they're willing to, you know, go to mid-market to get more users, and they're, you know, they want to continue to build the brand. And they came out with the the improved Mini, um, which is which is great, um, and the iPad Air. But you know, those are things that they kind of already existed, and people are still looking for that new product that you know blows them away. And I think they Apple realizes that they need that now. They need something to. You know, get people to say, "Oh my God, Apple is still this you know big innovative company." You know, not that they're just going to make different iterations of existing products. And I think if they can do that, or you know, maybe that whole Apple TV thing that people are still talking yeah, about, maybe, it would maybe. Be awesome. I, I would, I would love that. I think Apple has the TV. Uh, I think it's a set-top box, but I think they have it complete and it's done and it is what they want. The only thing holding them up is the deal with the content providers. Well, yeah, I think it. Yeah. I think their TV has been finished for years now, and they're like, it's their vision. It's done. Um, I have. I I want to have hope that it'll come soon because I mean, looking at the Xbox uh, and the new Xbox One, kind of what they're trying to do with cable. Um, I was hoping that that would like bring the public to be like, yes, we need a revolution in television because it's it's the best that you can do without the content provider's permission. So it's an improvement, but not that much. But I yeah. mean, the Xbox One hasn't been doing that well, so I don't know if that's really what we can go off of now. But it, it makes sense, though. Like, you know, the the ability to kind of break uh, the cable providers and and you know uh, satellite providers kind of stranglehold on what you can see would be you know huge. I mean, uh, what is it, uh, Arrow? They, they Aereo, were getting yeah. in trouble because Aereo, yeah. They they were getting in trouble because, you know, the cable providers and the content providers were like, you know, you shouldn't be able to provide this service and we're going to try to punish you for that. And, you know, I mean, they're still going as far as I know, but Yeah, I use know. it every day. And they're they're only for what, uh local uh uh bands, right? Uh Aereo, yeah. It's it's only the over the air channels in your local area, but they give it to you digital. Like I don't have a cable subscription. All I have is a Roku. And I watch live television through Aereo. I record my shows so I can watch like Shark Tank and I'm totally in love with Undercover Boss as well. I'm not ashamed to admit it. And yeah, I'll <laughs> record these shows. They got the D V R, I can watch live TV, I watch the news in the morning. It's fantastic. And yeah, and that that's the thing, you know, people people wanna do that and they you know, don't want to have to pay into, you know, a cable fee or, you know, anything like that just to get something that's over the air, which, you know, you shouldn't. That's why it's over the air. And I think, you know, the the 
the fact that the companies are giving that much resistance to something like Aereo that doesn't have a massive user base is you know, indicative of what they would do if something like Apple tried to come along and say, well, we're going to take those channels as well as, you know, the premium, you know, channels, um, like, you know, uh, HBO, Showtime, uh, you know, uh, ESPN, things like that. And we're going to give it to them through our service. I think it would be, you know, it, it must be incredible to try to get them to bend to Apple's will. I think HBO has something under its belt, or at least I hope so, because it looks like they're being really dumb, and it looks like they're losing ground to Netflix in a big way. But oh, yeah. I want to say that they have something big under their sleeve, because like whether it's going to be Apple's releasing a TV this year, announcement, a big partnership with HBO, which is possible because HBO is now on the Apple TV. I think they got some good stuff there, and like it's integrated too, because like the Apple TV can tell. By connecting to your internet, whether you're an HBO uh, subscriber and automatically sign you into HBO Go. Like they do some fancy stuff under there um, for for certain providers. So um, I think that it's possible, or at least I hope that HBO is doing something with Apple and they're not just being obtuse. Well, I I, I heard that they're going to break away from the requirement that you need to be um, a cable subscriber. So I just signed up on... Um, I got the mini and I signed up uh, through, uh, what is it, Optimum. I had to sign in through my Optimum account to access HBO Go, but I heard they were going to break away from that and they were going to offer it to people as a standalone app that you could just use on its own without needing a cable provider. I was hoping they'd do that. Is that like an announcement that they said that they're planned or is that like a rumor still? I thought thought it was a rumor. I don't know if it was actually announced. It could have been, but as far as I know right now, I still had to sign in to Optimum to get onto it. So, you know, I mean, but that, you know, then I watched Game of Thrones and it's awesome. I mean, you know, it's not that the, these companies seem to think that, uh, you know, like all well, the, the the channels, I guess, seem to think that we're going to have problems, you know, looking at ads if we view them um, on, on a mobile device. And, you know, I really don't care if I can use my, you know, if I can watch TV anywhere I want without having to be tethered to, you know, my router because that's where my cable uh, subscription comes from i would gladly sit through you know the normal tv ads or whatever i don't care about that i mean i watch hulu when i go through ads all the time so you know i I think that there's there's this fear that you know we're going to lose out on people putting their eyeballs on ads and things like that and then obviously the cable companies don't want to lose their reason for existing which is charging us tons of money for you know viewing shows that are about dance moms Mm-hmm. They make so much money. It's 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 incredible. And I mean, you know, the 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 problem is the majority of the time it's a monopoly if you don't want to use satellite. You know, I mean, in in my area I have Optimum and that's it. Optimum and then I guess uh, well we just got FiOS in our area. Oh, I'm so that, jealous. Yeah, it's I I I want to switch over to FiOS because the internet's that much quicker. But you know, I mean, if if we didn't have FiOS, it's you know a lot of areas it's a monopoly basically if you don't want to use satellite and satellite has its issues. So I mean. I I I still can't believe that the cable companies have as much power as they do right now. It's just incredible. Yeah, I mean, in my area in Brooklyn, all we have is Time Warner cable, and and that's yeah. it. And it was it was interesting because like maybe a month ago, I saw a FiOS truck in my neighborhood, like one street over, and I got so excited. I waited like yeah. a week or two, and I called them, and I was like, "Hey." can I get Fios now? And then they looked it up and they were like, nope. And I was like, gosh, darn it. I, I 
Yeah, because Time Warner is is terrible, absolutely terrible. Well, yeah, they they I mean they don't reply to you know customer uh, service calls very well, and I mean from what I can tell, the the internet can be really spotty, and you know you pay an incredible amount of money for this service that you know I mean yeah you don't need TV. But, I mean, it's something that anywhere in the country you can get for way cheaper than what you pay. I mean, New York, you'll you'll pay an incredible amount just to get basic cable. And it's insane. You know, I mean, I want to be able to watch TV every once in a while. And I know there's ways to cut the cord, but I'm not the kind of person that wants to do that. I want to be able to watch TV. So, I mean, I wish there was a way that, you know, we could kind of rise up and say, yeah, you know, let's take down the cable providers. Yeah. But I don't know if it's going to happen. I, I really miss live TV. I know a lot of people don't like they they cut the cord and they're like, no, I only watch on demand. But I I enjoy watching live TV. I like just putting something on in the background that's not like a specific predetermined show or yep. series or like I don't have to pick. You just like put it to a channel and go like, oh, this is on and just have it on and like psychologically like knowing that a bunch of other people around the country are also watching it. Like there's an enjoyment in that. That's why mm-hmm. like. The radio is still popular when you can go out and buy a CD because when you listen to the radio, it's a shared experience. And yep. cable is very much yeah. the same way. That's 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 kind of how I think about it. I mean, I want I don't want it to be predetermined. I don't want to have to you know say, okay, what am I going to watch today? You know, what am I going to watch after that when that's over? Because you know, when I sit down to do work, I I t- put the TV on and I just let it go. You know, and that's the same thing with the radio. I just you know put the radio on if I'm doing work and I just let it go. You know, I mean. And you're you're totally right. I have uh, a Spotify premium account. I can stream my music wherever I want. But when I'm in the car, I still listen to the radio for some reason. I mean, it's just, you know, I like the ability to know that, you know, I can get the latest information as it happens. And I actually, I listen to news radio, which is very sad. That's all I listen to as well. Like literally all I listen to is news radio. Yep. 1010 wins here in New York. That's, that's it. Mm-hmm. Every 22 minutes, they walk through all of the headlines, the traffic, the weather, everything, and it repeats every 22 minutes. So if you got a short drive, you can get it all in. It's amazing. I love it. I, I, yeah. I've, I've listened to that since I was like 17, since mm-hmm. I could start driving. And I, yeah, I love it. It's great. It's all I, I just sit there and I listen to all the news and that's it. That's great. Why would I not want to do that? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's a live experience. It's not something where, you know, I'm kind of cut off from the, the, world around me by listening to spotify or something while i'm driving or you know and it's the same kind of thing with tv you know if if i'm sitting there and i'm listening to you know netflix or you know or watching netflix or hulu i'm kind of cut off from the rest of the world i want to basically you know get a real live experience so I'm, I yeah if there's an TV. emergency they're not going to be able to bust in through hulu and be like hey breaking <laughs> news <laughs> guess what guys there's a big snowstorm coming you gotta you know pack it up uh-huh. Hulu's just going to be like, hey, do you want to watch another ad experience? So, you know. And the answer is I, yes. I, yeah, the answer <laughs> is always yes. I Yeah, I, I, I like cable a lot. I wish there was a way that, you know, they could make it less expensive or, you know, less of a monopoly. So but is there hope for 2014? Hope. Do you think we're going to see any changes this year? In terms of, in terms of like, the cable providers, I don't know. Um, if, if Apple does come out with something, then yeah. Yeah. Um, I know they're they're all freaking out about you know they're still freaking out about Hulu and uh, Netflix and you know they're kind of you know they're losing ground to that obviously people are you know more and more apt to want to cut the cord um, the majority of people still have cable obviously but you know they're starting to lose ground in major cities and, you know New York especially because you have you know Time Warner and it's not really 
that good and people want to go with whatever's the most convenient and least expensive usually. So I think there's something is going to change soon. I don't know if it'll happen this year, but I think there's going to be some kind of big, big change in the, the cable industry. They just can't keep up at the pace that they're going right now. Yeah, I think it's a big generational thing too because we have no problem like cutting the cord or looking for new, better options. And I think that once in the next 10 years or so when people our age are becoming, getting into like executive positions at some of these companies and really seeing what people are willing to pay for, I think that's when the changes are really going to come. I think so too, yeah. I mean, you basically need, you know, people that are, you know, our age to get into those positions, yeah, and then bring their personal experiences into those positions and say, well, this isn't really how people think anymore. You know, people aren't always glued to their TV sets. You know, people might want to be able to move around and take their TV with them, you know, and that shouldn't be so onerous. You know, I shouldn't have to sit, you know, within range of my router to watch TV on my iPad or on my phone. I mean, you know, and it sounds silly. It's definitely, you know, like first world problems, big deal. But, you know, I'm still paying for a service, you know, and I want to be able to use it the way that I want to use it. And right now they're not letting me do that. And it makes me upset. Yeah, me too. Um, So I think that that about winds up this episode of uh, the podcast. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show, Dan. Oh, no problem. This is awesome. So uh, tell people where they can find you if they want to see your stuff and learn more. Uh, you can check me out at uh, laptopmag.com or uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my handle's at Daniel Howley. And just check out all my you know ridiculous musings or my take on the tech industry. Yeah. And uh, I'm Dan and I am with Novice No Longer, which is novicenolonger.com. So uh, Dan, thanks again for being a guest and I'll, you'll be again soon, I'm sure, hopefully. Thank you very much, sir. Uh-huh. Bye. And there you have it. Thanks for tuning in to the Novice No Longer podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please let me know. Go on to novicenolonger.com and leave me a comment. Or better yet, go into iTunes and leave a rating for this. Positive ratings really help more people find this podcast, so they're very much appreciated. And until next week, happy learning. <laughs>